I hit my first six figures in my business and I had less than like 10,000 followers, if even that. Um, I've helped clients hit like 30K months and they only had 500 people in their Facebook group. This is episode seven of Strictly Motivation with CEO of Unforgettable by Saba, the one and only Saba Ali. Welcome to a new episode of Strictly Motivation. My name is Romit Jaitwani and I'm your host for this show. Each week I will be interviewing modern day entrepreneurs with multiple figure online businesses. We'll be diving deep to reveal the secrets behind their mindset and marketing so that you can adopt the systems and strategies responsible for their success. In this episode of Strictly Motivation, I'm really excited to have Sabah Ali. She's a best-selling author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO of Unforgettable by Sabah. Her mission is to help people create an unforgettable brand to see their life and themselves through a different perspective, recognize potential, and inspire them to turn their dreams into a reality. She's helped hundreds of business owners clarify their message to attract more clients to their business using storytelling, branding, and social media strategies. In this episode, we discuss her journey to six-figure months, the importance of storytelling, and how to grow your coaching business organically. I'm quite sure you'll want to take notes for this one. So, without further ado, let's dive in. Hey, Sabah, how are you doing? Thank you for being a guest on Strictly Motivation. I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. You have no idea. I'm twice as excited than you are, but I do appreciate uh, that level of excitement as well. So before we begin, I just want to ask you a question that, you know, I ask most of my guests. What are three lesser known facts about you, Sabah? Oh, that's a great question. Three less known facts about me. I'd say the first one is I'm extremely introverted, which is funny because a lot of people see me speak on stages. I basically document my life on social media, but me on its own, I'm a very introverted type of person. Um, and the second thing that probably goes hand in hand with the first one is I'm still a little bit, you know, just, just shy when it comes to meeting new people. Um, that's kind of been me ever since I was growing up. Of course, when I got into my business, entrepreneurship, speaking on stages, doing all the things, um, it was easier to do that. But I think just me on its own, I'm just I'm just naturally that type of introverted person. Um, the third thing is, I'll throw in something fun. I I love to dance. Um, I don't share it that much on my social media, but for people who had been following me for years now, I actually danced for four years when I was in college. Um, when I graduated, couldn't do that much of it now, but I don't think a lot of people knew that. That's kind of one of my passions. So I'd say those are like the top three, three unknown facts about me. <laughs> How did you get out of that box of just being an introvert? Because I'm sure there was a point in your life where you realize that, okay, like as a coach, especially, I have to step out of my comfort zone. So if you could just, like, you know, talk about like, how did you make that shift? Like, what did you tell yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to say, um, so, so for me, I really got started in the online space, building my brand, my audience, getting into my business when I was 19 years old. So that was when I was still in college. 
And when I was in college, I actually met one of my mentors through my university. And he was the one who really got me into this entire world, world of entrepreneurship. And with him, he was actually one that pushed me to step outside my comfort zone, to say the least. Right. So before that, I, of course, hated to like speak on stages. I wouldn't, you know, talk in front of the class type of thing. But when I started to work alongside my mentor, one of the first things that he told me to do was to speak on stage. And back then, for the first year or two, not many people know, I would help put on events all across like the nation, right? Like um, events, conferences, masterminds. And in one of the first ones I helped put on, I had to actually introduce Brandon, who was my mentor back then, um, to speak on stages, right? So, so for me to even do that, it was something that like was so outside of my comfort zone that I kind of just like pushed myself to do so. Um, after that, I kind of liked the feeling of like adrenaline after I did that. So I just start to do it a lot more. Um, for me, it kind of became fun. I'm also an extremely competitive type of person. So anytime someone challenges me to do something, I basically will do it. Um, and then of course, after that, once I really started to understand more of my, my message, my mission, everything that I was doing, it was more so a duty of me to show up, not because of the fear of what people would think of me when I would be speaking on stages, because I think that's what it really stemmed from. But it was more so the people who needed to hear my story, my experience, and how I was able to transform in my life so they could do the exact same thing. Um, so I feel like that, like the the purpose of me kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone evolved as I started to grow and scale well, that's uh, that's amazing when, you know, you have someone who is kind of like an accountability partner and encourages you to do things that you're not usually comfortable doing. And then you, it kind of becomes like a habit where you've done it like so many times where it's just second nature. So you mentioned that you, you really, you know, started developing your personal brand at the age of 19. And um, I'm quite sure that that's an age where most people are, you know, doing other unimportant things. So were you always this driven or ambitious? Yeah, so great question. Um, I want to say I always had, like, I always had the spark inside of me to create something. Growing up, I always wanted to, I, I actually dreamed of owning my own, like, fashion company. When I graduated college, I graduated with two majors. One was apparel merchandising and design, which is fashion, and the other one was business. Um, so for me, when I graduated college, I actually thought I would be working at like a fashion company in like New York City. And eventually I wanted to build my own business around fashion. But I soon realized fashion is more so just like a hobby for me versus like a real passion. Um, but for me, yeah, like growing up, I always was motivated and driven to create something. Um, for me, when I was in high school, and some people know this story, is in high school, I was in a terrible four-year toxic relationship, and my mom passed away when I was 15 years old. Um, so with the combination of those two happening through high school, when I was like 15, 16, 17, I was at a really low point in my life, and that's where I lost a lot of my drive and my motivation. Um, so luckily, when I did graduate high school, when I got to college, I coincidentally ran into my mentor when I went to go listen to him speak for extra credit just for one of my classes. 
And he really allowed me to see like the capabilities that I already had within myself, but kind of disappeared when I went through that phase of my life. And I feel like a lot of people go through that when they go through, you know, hard experiences, they come out thinking they're not able to do certain things because of their past. Um, so for me, I feel like I've always had that within me, even though at some points it may have not shined as bright as it does now, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, it's, you know, those defining moments that really shape you up. And it's always like a fork in the road where you could, you know, go down, you could go down the wrong way, or you could just with the help of, you know, a mentor or a coach really, you know, tap into that energy and channelize it to create something better and something more fulfilling that is in alignment with, you know, the person you desire to become. So I wanted to ask you, Saba, with respect to your journey starting as an entrepreneur, like what exactly was your aim? What is your intention? Because you were going on stage, you were doing a lot of public speaking, but what exactly were you speaking on? What was that domain that you were, you know, uh, building your authority on? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, I feel like it's evolved so much. Like my mission that I had when I was 19, when I first got started, it's so much more different than what it is now. Um, back then, when I was in college, one of my main mission was to was to really inspire and support people my age who were still in college, create a lifestyle that yes, you can, you know, go to classes, still have fun with your friends, but still be very driven in your career path of entrepreneurship. Um, And like, for me, the thing is, I'm not against college. And I know a lot of people are, especially as entrepreneurs, right? It's like, you don't need college. And the thing is, like, I don't think you do, especially if you're, if you're starting a business, if you're becoming an entrepreneur, you don't need college. I've never used my degrees. I've never used anything I've learned in college. But if I did not go to college, I wouldn't have been able to make the connections that I did. Um, and for me, college was really that opportunity to use that, like all, all of like the benefits that you get as a student to my advantage. Like I was able to speak on stages at conferences because I was a college student doing these different things. So back then, once again, my mission was focused on inspiring college students to show them you don't need to wait until graduation, until you get a diploma, until you get a job to create the life you want. You can do it right now, having that balance. Um, And also the other part of that message, which is probably still aligned to me today, is you are the only person who is in charge of the direction of your life. Um, Like no one is out there is actually going to stop you to do the thing that you want except yourself. Um, And for me, that was like an ongoing principle that I still think about today. And now that I've graduated, what, like three years ago, um, back in 2018, I graduated. Like, I feel like now my mission is still similar, but the demographic of who I'm targeting now is different. Um, A lot of the clients that I work with, a lot of people that I've talked online are now at that stage in their life where they know they have a specific gift, a skill, an expertise, 
but they are drowning in limiting beliefs and fear and doubt and external people telling them they can't do it. Um, so for me, I always want to be that voice who inspires and encourages that individual to get themselves out of that place. Because um, I also learned early on just from my past relationships and experiences is you can't change someone to do something. You can only influence them to make that change for themselves. And I think even for me, that's been such a big impact in how I've been able to, to change my life for the better. This journey of entrepreneurship, I personally believe it, it is a lonely journey unless you know you have a team or a partner, but it is a very lonely journey because you have to do everything. You have to take care of your mental state. You got to take care of, you know, how you present yourself. It's just, you're wearing so many hats, you know, especially when you're starting out before the phase of hiring people to do your work for you. You are the face of your brand and how you perceive yourself is going to determine how others perceive you. I want to just dive into that mindset because I know for a fact that it's not that easy to to develop a strong mindset and then sustain that mindset, you know, day after day after day. And since you've successfully done that because your success is a representation of who you believe you are. And I want to know from you, Sabah, you know, what are the practices or the exercises or the rituals that you firmly believe in that are part and parcel of who you are today? Like, what is something that you do on a regular basis to just ensure that you wake up with that state of positive energy and a positive outlook on, you know, your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that question. And before I get into like my rituals and what I do every single day, I think one of the biggest realizations that I learned through my journey of personal development and mindset and really exercising my energy was knowing, understanding, and accepting it's not always going to be positive all the time. And even when you reach like your goals, whether it's in business, personal life, and relationships, you're always going to come back to specific feelings of like limiting belief and fear and doubt and anxiety. But once you start to exercise that muscle, it'll be easier for you to control it. And how I learned this was, this was probably almost a year ago now, I was having a conversation with one of my mentors. He's, he, you know, he makes seven to eight figures a year, right? So he's gone through so much experience. He's worked on his mindset a lot. And I was going through a phase in my life where I was doubting every single thing I was doing. And I asked him, what's like, what's the secret, <laughs> right? What's the secret? How are entrepreneurs able to, able to reach their goals in such a manner that it doesn't like, you know, they don't get defeated by it. And what he told me, I, I'll never forget. He's like, Saba, like every single person that you look up to the most successful entrepreneurs they still go through it but the difference between you and them is they just learn how to control it before the like the lows of lows happen in their life and when i realized that it, it's it's like you kind of surrender to the fact right because i think a lot of people think is when they go into this journey of personal development and really always being in a positive mindset they think it's going to be positive all the time but that's just not the case. 
right? So I think when you first understand that aspect, it gets easier to once again, exercise that muscle and do things that neutralize the situation. Um, so for me, one thing that's helped me so, so much, I do on a daily basis, I have to do twice a day is meditation. And what that really allows you to do is to quiet your mind and get you to a place where you can truly visualize the next steps of what you need to do. Um, before, when I got into meditation, I just thought it was something that, you know, was cool, fun, kind of woo-woo. Like, I didn't really understand it. But when I started to actually practice it, because I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life, I felt so much more calm. And it was clear in what type of path and direction I need, needed to take. Um, so for me, that's something I do daily. And on top of that, writing my goals, I do it daily. And visualization it goes hand in hand with meditation. I do it daily as well. Um, I've learned, read so many books about just the mind, our subconscious, law of attraction, how we're able to attract things into our life. And one thing that's resonated with me and really stuck with me till this day is our mind, our subconscious mind cannot distinguish the difference between something that's vividly imagined and something that's real and happening in our reality. So the thing is, if we can vividly imagine our goal to the point where we can actually feel and experience it's happening in real life, our body is going to make that happen. <laughs> um, so, so I think for me, like those three things, once again, I've done it every single day for years now, and it's done such a, such a big change and a big impact, not just in growing and scaling my business, but just me growing as an individual as well. I feel that, you know, entrepreneurship is the best crash course on personal development. It's so crucial to know that when you're writing your goals and when you're meditating, these are two activities that I do myself because it's what keeps you on track, keeps you organized with your thoughts, because if you just let your mind loose, then God help you. So you need to have a system that keeps your mind on track so that your goals are on track. And I think I'm really glad that you brought this up because when you mentioned earlier that, you know, you asked someone who was making seven to eight figures, like, what is the secret? And the fact is that there really is no secret. It's all about, you know, everyone goes through the same levels of up and ups and downs, but it's, it's about being more positive than negative and uh, just you know cruising through with the same level of determination and commitment and eventually with an attitude of never giving up and believing that failure is not an option you will succeed regardless but you gotta first see it in the mind before you see it happen in your reality so i'm really glad that you brought that up were there any books that shape the way you think today yeah so i yeah there's a phase where i went through so many many books um, that focused on personal development. The first one that pops up um, is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. That's an amazing book. And that one really, really, really focuses on understanding how the brain works. A lot of human psychology. And I believe it's that book, if I remember correctly, at the end, there is a specific meditation, a guided meditation they walk you through, which um, the goal of that meditation is to let go of those limiting beliefs and bring in new ones. So if someone's going through a phase in their life where they have so many beliefs that's holding them back, 
I really recommend that book. Um, the second book that I recommend too is Psycho-Cybernetics. I can't remember the author, but that book, um, I believe that's a really, that's an old book, but once again, that talks a lot about the mindset, about psychology. There also are exercises that you can do in that book too when it comes to meditation. And then the last book, which is kind of a hidden gem, um, I tell all of my clients to read this book when they're working with me, is A Happy Pocket Full of Money by David Gikandi. And this book, it was actually given to me as a gift. And after I read that book, I realized that I actually manifested that book into my reality, right? Um, that gift was given to me by someone that I didn't even know. Out of the blue, I thought it was a coincidence. And after I read that book, it made sense. Once again, like what you were saying earlier, like law of attraction, energy, it's all science-based. So that book, I read it, I, it got gifted to me probably two and a half years ago now. And that's when I was really getting started in my business was making $500 a month, but 30 days later, after I read that book, I hit my first 10K in my business. And I didn't change anything when it came to marketing strategy. I was doing the exact same thing. The only difference was my energy behind what I was doing. So that book, I probably read it <laughs> well over 10 times. I tell all my clients to read it. Um, I've read tons of books that tell you what law of attraction is, but by far, that's the only book I've read so far that tells you how it actually works. And for me, I'm the type of person is, I'll believe something, well, 100% believe it when I actually understand the concept behind it. So those three books, yeah, if you guys, you know, are are into reading or even into listening, like at the audio version, such a big game changer. I know the first two, but the third one is what I'm going to pick it up and make sure that everything that I need to know, because books like The Secret didn't really tell you what you needed to do. It kind of like created an illusion of what you may, you know, need to do on a superficial level. But once you really dive deeper into the study and not like, you know, becoming like, a you know, getting a PhD in the subject, but just understanding enough to know what really works, then I think that that's what gives everyone a competitive edge on themselves, right? Because in the day, you are not competing with person B or person C. You're competing with a version of yourself, you know, the previous version of yourself, like, hey, I can be better than this. Let me understand what tools are available at my disposal that can help me go from where I am to where I need to be. So speaking of your business, like I want to understand in terms of, you know, creating an unforgettable brand for your clients, how did you like, how did you make that shift? Like from, you know, helping um, college going students to understand how to really design their dream lifestyle to focusing on being a business coach and helping your clients like when did that shift happen that you realized okay i think this is the niche i want to i want to go for and the clients i want to work with yeah great question so yeah once again for me when i got started entrepreneurship um you know kind of like building my brand my presence online when i was 19 I didn't know I was building a brand when I was just producing content online. I was sharing my story and I was building an audience. I realized that probably two years later, I was 2021. 20, um, and that's when I really got started like building my business. Um, and basically how, how I got into business was people coming to me, asking me for help and how I was growing my audience 
how I was creating content, how I was speaking on stages. And once again, one of my mentors told me, why don't you just get into coaching slash like consulting? Like you're already doing it and you're doing it naturally. Like, why don't you just teach this to people? So for me, I really got into my business based on people just coming to me asking for help. But when it, when it came to the actual like concepts and strategies and frameworks that I teach my clients too, when it clicked for me was when I first crafted, crafted out my first offer. It was my first coaching program. It was a one-on-one -on -one program. I priced it at 4K and I just put it out there. Back then I had no idea like how to sell an offer, how to sell a program. I just posted on my social media. I was still in college, my last year of college. I was like, hey, I'm coming out with this program. I'm going to help you build your brand and audience online who's interested. And I honestly, I honestly did not think someone would buy it because back then I had so many limiting beliefs of no one's going to like pay me thousands of dollars to like have them like for, for them to learn from me. I just like didn't think that was going to happen. So I made that post. Someone commented and he was like, oh, I'm interested. And there's a guy named Nick. He was my first ever high ticket client. And he was like, oh, let's get on a call. And this person, he had been following me for years. Like when I first got started, when I was 19, he had been following me and following my journey and always supported me. So I figured, oh, he's probably just like a fan supporting me. You know, he's probably just, you know, getting to know what I'm doing now. I got on that call and he, like Nick, he was also older. He was in his 40s. So I'm like, there's no way, no way in the world he's going to buy from someone who's in college and someone who's also a female and of minority. Like those were the limiting beliefs I had back then. So I'm like, no way that's going to happen. I got on that call and he's like, Saba, like I've been waiting for you to come out with a program like this. Like I'm so like the reason why I continue to follow you, consume your content is because of your confidence, your personality, and your ability to create a sense of community online. And for me, and this is what he was saying for me, for him, he just didn't know how to do that, like at all. And I was like, okay, well, this is what my offer looks like. It's 4,000. Like, are you okay with that? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And at that moment, I realized was he could have gone with any other business coach who was making hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. But the reason why he chose me was because he resonated with my story, with my personality, with my message. And up until then, all I was doing was documenting and sharing my story online, which goes to show there really is no saturation in the market because no one is you. No one has your unique story, your unique capability. So when I realized that everything clicked for me and I was like, there's so many people out there trying to grow and scale a business based on selling their product, not themselves. So for me, that's why my entire, like my, my entire business, my entire mission is helping people create that brand because there really is no competition if you know how to utilize yourself effectively through your marketing. Um, so for me, that's how I pivoted. That's how I adjusted and changed. And, and yeah, like it's, it's been awesome. Like the clients I work with, they've seen such great transformation and like, yes, of course I help my clients generate so much more revenue in their business. But I think for me, the best part of it all is seeing how happy they are when they put themselves out there because they're actually able to connect with people that they really resonate with. No, that's that's amazing because, you know, as a coach, the greatest fulfillment 
you can ever receive is when you see the person you're serving happier than before they met you. So when you pivoted to becoming a business coach and helping your clients really create that unforgettable brand, what would you say today to those who are listening who are relatively new to the concept of you know, building a personal brand, how would you define what a personal brand is? Yeah, so I love that question. The way I describe um, branding on its own and personal branding is the feeling and experience you're creating for your consumer. So when someone either lands on your profile, when they read a piece of your content, watch a video, listen to you on audio, how do you actually make them feel? Do you make them feel empowered, encouraged? Do you make them feel like they are like holding themselves back? Do you make them feel comfortable? Like, do you make them feel a little scared? Like, what is that feeling and experience? Because when you touch someone based on a specific pain, a problem, a feeling that they're going through, it's much more likely they'll actually take a step of action to change that. And once again, like, there's so many people out there that are trying to sell a product or service, but there's no real feeling attached to it. So that's how I describe personal branding is that feeling and experience you're creating for that consumer. That makes like a lot of sense because like you mentioned earlier, everyone is as unique as their fingerprint. And when you, you know, extract that essence that you have and bring it out on social, you allow people to enter your world and recognize you for you and resonate with that message because as the saying goes like some will some won't so what someone else is waiting from there on you went and you were serving clients and helping them create this this personal brand helping them really share their story and share their mission and their message now i want to ask you with respect to you know being vulnerable on you know social media and sharing your message how does one know what their message really is to the market and how does one align that message with their product or service? So that's a great question because when people are creating content online, when they're advertising, when they're marketing, once again, they focus so much on the features of their product or services, but not necessarily on the benefits. So one great example I always love to use is even just looking at like a product like an umbrella. <laughs> so if you look at umbrella, right, like the, the features of the umbrella is it's like waterproof. Maybe it has like a wooden handle. Maybe it's like automatic. If you push a button, it goes up and down. Like that's awesome. That's great. And a lot of people focus on the features when they're promoting something. Like, okay, cool. That's awesome. Versus putting out another piece of advertising marketing material that focuses on you can buy this amazing umbrella and not get burned when you're out in the sun watching your kids play soccer. You can actually focus on enjoying the game and not have to worry about getting sunburned, right? So it's like you're creating an actual transformation and feeling with the concept of featuring on the benefits or focusing on the benefits versus the features. So same thing when it comes to like online products and services, I'm in the coaching space. A lot of people are selling coaching programs and courses and books, 
And once again, they focus on the features, like you get two calls a week, you get access to videos, templates, guides. That's all great and people need to know that, but what's like the real transformation? Are you gonna have more time to spend with your family? Are you gonna be able to finally, you know, break free, break free from your nine to five job? Like what, what is the byproduct of the product and the service that you're providing? Because let's be honest, people really don't care about how to get to their destination and get to the goal. They don't care. That's just where they want to get to. And a lot of people focus on the process of how to get there, <laughs> right? So it's like when, when I see people trying to market their offer, they're focusing so much on the process versus the promise. Um, so, so that's how you're able to identify that message is when you clarify and you focus on that end result and the promise you're getting someone versus like the features of that product's product. Does that make sense? How do you know if you even have a story in the first place to, to share with your audience? Is it more like, you know, I can help you go from your current situation to the desired situation because my personal experience and my story is where I have gone through this transformation myself. And do you think in order to be a successful coach, you need to have that personal transformation of your own before you go out there and offer it to others? Is that like a prerequisite? Yeah, I love that question. So short answer, short answer is no. I don't believe you have to go through that experience in order to go out and teach it. Um, however, kind of going back to your first question is a lot of people feel like they don't have a story, right? Because you hear these stories like rags to riches. I was homeless. Now I'm making a million dollars. The thing is most people, they, they live an average lifestyle, like, you know, great family went went to high school, college, but now they're just like bored of their life. Um, that on its own is a story. Even for me, when once again, when I was 19, one of the first questions my mentor asked me, he was like, tell me your story. And like my first immediate response was, I don't have a story. Like I haven't done anything amazing, you know? So for me, looking back, I was like, I, like, I don't, I, I've never done anything, but I did have a story. Like I was, once again, like my mom passed away when I was 15 terrible for your relationship, like all the things. And we don't look at it that way, once again, because we can't connect the pieces of the message of the support and the service that we're providing to our audience. So let's say for an example, um, let me think of something like hypothetically, let's just say hypothetically, I don't know how I thought about this, but we're going to go with it. Let's say hypothetically, I want to create a business that helps construction workers grow and scale their own business. I've never had expertise. I've never had knowledge on it, but for some reason I want to go out and do it. In some point of my life, 99.9% .9 of the time, you are going to have an experience that led you down the path of this new business. And for me, my story would be, I was on a podcast show, I was looking out on the buildings and I see a construction worker and that inspired me to start a business. That on its own is a story, but many people don't think about it that way because they're not thinking about the feelings and the experiences that they're going through, right? So for me, one exercise I do with my clients is take a look at the past five to 10 years 
and pinpoint when you had such strong feelings, whether it was positive or negative, because those were the changing points in your life, right? So even someone who had an average life, maybe their turning point was they're in high school or when they graduated, maybe they were working a job or maybe even just their friend said something to them that triggered them to start this new journey and this new path. Um, so in short, I believe every single person has a story, whether you think you do or you think you don't. Um, you don't need to have like prior experience in that industry, but you do have a story you can use when it comes to marketing in order to grow and scale that business. No, I think uh, I'm really glad that I asked this question because you actually explained it so beautifully with respect to the fact that everyone has a story, but because we look at the idea of a story from a macro level that, oh, it's got to be like the rags to riches, otherwise you don't have a story. That's not true. Like you rightly said, it's like pinpointing those moments in you know your past five to 10 years and looking at those moments that were defining that created that epiphany that, okay, this is what I want to do. And that in itself is a story that was the source of the person's inspiration to take that next step. And now with respect to, you know, putting yourself out there, and I know one thing for a fact, ever since I've been um, following you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you've generated all your business revenue organically. This is where I find, this is my limiting belief because I've generated all my revenue using Facebook ads. Okay. And I want to really dive into like what really makes um, you know, the organic method work for you? Like what are the key, you know, strategies to make, to generate clients for a coaching business or a service business just through conversation? Like what is your three or four, you know, key strategies that someone who's listening to this can implement and get their next client organically? Yeah, absolutely. So now first touch on like Kind of why I decided to go organically versus like the paid route. Um, for me, once again, like when I when I got started in my business, I was already doing it organically for years without knowing it. And how I got my first client once again was organically. For me, also like how I how I build and scale my business, I look at it from a consumer standpoint. And for me, I'm a consumer. I spent well over probably close to a hundred grand on my business when it came to like personal development on coaches, mentors, programs. And for me as a consumer, I have never once bought from an ad. I've never once bought from cold, someone cold outreaching to me. I've always bought from me going to that individual by consuming their content organically. So for me, I'm like, okay, why would I build my business in a way that I don't even consume myself? Right. And for me, um, like the thing is about ads, um, it works, right? Of course it works. You know, you can build a, a multi-million dollar business utilizing ads, but for me, my main goal and vision is to create that loyal tribe of raving fans who resonate with my mission and, and values for them to repeatedly buy from me over and over again. So for me, when I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and I come across an ad, maybe it really gets me and I click on it. Guess what? The first thing that I'll do is I'll look up that person on social media. If they have no brand, no presence, no content, no audience, I will not buy their product no matter how good it is. 
right? Because there's nothing there for me to consume. Like I'm a cold buyer. Like what am I supposed to consume? So for me, that's why I went down the organic route. And yes, like my entire business, um, it's built all around content marketing, meaning I'm producing content to connect with my audience and for them to come to me and getting on a call and buying one of my programs and my offers. So if I were to dial in like the three, three to four steps for someone to do this today and now is for one to get really, really, really clear in your brand message, right? And that comes down to who are you serving? What is the one pain point and problem that you're helping them solve? What is the promise that you're getting them to? And what's the process that you're utilizing, right? Like, what are you actually teaching? When you get clarity on that, start creating content online, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and create content that really focuses on someone's pain point. Um, once again, you always want to think about if I was the ideal client, if I was a consumer and I was scrolling through social media, would this piece of content get me to stop? If not, you need to change that piece of content. I feel like a lot of people think organic means just produce a lot of content, but if it's not good, guess what? They're still not going to stop Right. So that's the that's the second thing is producing content that really focuses on their pain points. Um, and then the third thing is, and this is more so focused on audience growth, is getting on other people's platforms. Kind of similar to what I'm doing right now. Of course, I'm doing this podcast show with you. I'm providing a lot of value. And whoever listens to this and resonates with my message, they're going to find me on social media. They're going to follow me. And eventually they could buy from me. Right. So one of the strategies I used early on was like, okay, now I know who my ideal client is. I know my message. I know my offer. Where can I go where these people are already in a community? And how can I provide value to that community? That on its own has probably been the biggest way I've been able to generate inbound leads who are ready to buy from me um, because they've probably spent 30, 45 minutes, even an hour sometimes consuming that content, whether it's an interview like this, a training, a show, and like they feel like they already know me by now. So that's that's the third thing is getting on other people's platforms. And from there, it's like an evergreen process, like podcast shows, they're, they're out forever. Therefore, someone can listen to this months later and become a client. Um, so those those are probably like the top three things that I would tell someone to do right now to to get, get like a high ticket client. Um, people think organic takes a lot of time, effort, and energy because they think organic is like cold outreach. If you do it right, you don't have to do cold outreach. It's all about creating that presence online. I like the fact that you said that the whole idea behind organically growing your business is where you're really just building connections with people through your content and building that community. And I see even like the top internet marketers in the world they don't have to go out there and create content like they have millions of dollars spent in ads and they can just sit and you know chill out but the fact that like it's required to not rely entirely or just on a facebook ad or a few ads but to have like a presence that if someone sees your ad and like you said if they google you and you have zero presence, then it's it's a red flag right there. So it's fundamental as a personal brand to have some assets that work for you, that you create and produce, that is in alignment with your branding, your message, who you're serving, how you're serving them. So I wanna just ask you, I wanna take this like one step further. 
when you're, you know, what, like well, this is something that I've, I've seen a lot of people and myself uh, feel overwhelmed with is like, how do you know how often should you be producing content? Like, how do you know what your benchmark is? And I've heard, I'll tell you what I've heard as well. I've heard that, you know, it depends on how frequent you can record, how frequent you can post and how you can stay consistent with that plan. But I want to know from you, Sabah, with respect to that strategy of being consistent and having a plan, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, content marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like a lot of people think you have to post like 20 times a day in order to make it work if you're doing it organically. I always say if you can produce one quality piece of content a day, that's enough. And that's like being like making like a post on like social media, whether it's a written written post, whether it's a video, whether it's even jumping on and doing a live. If it's of quality, you don't need that much more. Um, For me now, um, before I would post like every single day, probably now within the past, I want to say like six to eight months, I probably post one quality piece of content Monday through Friday, and then I will post on my Instagram stories. And that's like whatever I feel like it, which is basically every day. (laughs) I like to tell people if you go down the route of organic content marketing and personal branding, it's not just marketing. It's not just a business strategy. It's a real lifestyle that you're creating. If you don't like to do stories, jump on and do videos, do lives, post pictures, it's going to be harder for you to do it just because like you're like you just don't see a life that way. So you're trying to build a business that way. It just doesn't go hand in hand. So one of the main things that I ask people before, you know, they want to work with me is like, do you want to build a business this way? Like, do you actually like, are you committed to do this? Because if, if not, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> it's just not going to work, right? It's like that simple. Like, you can build a business another way, but like, that's one of like the prerequisites. It's knowing, do you want to build a business that way? But like, yeah, like you don't need to be posting 20 times a day. Sometimes I'll post once on my story and then I won't post again for a few days. Other times I'll post like 20 times a day on my story and like that'll generate me lots of leads. Um, But yeah, like me as a company, we have set posts that go out Monday through Friday and on the weekends we we chill out and we relax. Um, If you're really in that stage where you're growing and scaling a business, I recommend you posting Monday through Sunday. Um, I did that for years. And it really got me into that state of flow and people like what happens is when you build an audience and you build a community, they wait for your posts, right? So it's not much more about you and you showing up, but it's like, like you can't let your audience down, right? It's like, you're building this persona online that you have to keep up. Um, But yeah, I always say like quality over quantity always. Um, I know there's people out there like Gary Vee. I love him listened to him all throughout college and he really motivated and inspired me, but like you don't have to produce that much content or to make it work for you. Yeah, no, definitely. Gary Vee is uh, next level. He's his, <laughs> his marketing is on steroids, but um, that's what makes him him. And yeah. um, it's, it's, it's really important that you brought that up because there aren't a lot of people who want to show like, Hey, this is what I'm doing right now. And this is what I'm feeling right now. And, you know, it's, it takes a commitment to really just show up every day. And there are, you know, there, there could be days where you just don't feel like showing up. Like, 
And I think those are the kind of people who are more attracted to the paid advertising, you know, rather than, you know, showing up on, on Instagram every day. But I want to I wanna ask you a question with respect to Instagram. Like, let's say this is the way where somebody is just starting out. They want to they wanna grow um, their Instagram community. Now, this is something that I realized recently that, um, you know, I always thought that building a community was all about, you know, the people, the number of people who actually purchase something from you, that's your community. But then I realized that that's not true. It's also the people who um, are following you on probably Instagram. That is your community as well. And when they look forward to your posts, that's when you know you have a community. And I wanted to ask you with respect to Instagram, like a lot of people, the average following on Instagram is is under a thousand. And then you have so many coaches out there like yourself with, you know, following of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000. Now, what, how important is the vanity metric? And do you really believe in fighting the algorithm? Or do you also have an organic way to grow your Instagram consistently through, you know, through the data and through, um, you know, the numbers, like how do you use the numbers for on your Instagram to know that you're growing, but not just from a metric point of view, from a holistic point of view? Yeah, great question. So, yeah, so um, to, to answer your first question, do the numbers matter, right? When someone like, you know, lands on your profile, does that matter? Yes and no, depending on how you're looking at it from. If you're looking at it from, um, you know, a profitable standpoint, you don't need that many followers in order to make a business profitable. Um, like I hit my first six figures in my business and I had less than like 10,000 followers, if even that. Um, I've had helped clients hit like 30K months and they only had 500 people in their Facebook group. So in terms of a like profitability standpoint, if you're monetizing something, you don't need that many people because you just want that group of people that that like rave about you and your product, right? Because let's be honest, if you can grow like a Facebook group or grow your Instagram to 10,000 followers, but only like 85% of them follow you because of, I don't know, like they follow you just because you're entertaining, but they would never buy from you. That number really doesn't do anything for your business, right? It makes you look cool, but like from a profitability standpoint, it's not really there. So when it comes to that, you don't need a huge audience in order to grow and scale a business. However, people do value numbers when it comes from like a consumer standpoint. So for me, naturally, if I go to someone's Instagram and they only have like a few hundred followers, I mean, now since I'm much more like knowledgeable about this space, um, you know, depending on their expertise, I would still work from them, but automatically I will lower their credibility because they don't have that many followers. Um, and that's just, that's just how it is right now. Right. So it's like, when it comes to personal branding, you do want to grow your audience. Not like, of course, the more people you have, if they're the right people, you can monetize a little bit more, but from a credibility standpoint, it's like, Hey, she has 10,000 followers, 20,000. She clearly knows what she's doing. Let me continue to follow her. So yes or no, like yes and no, it kind of depends on how you're looking at it from, from that way. And then the second question I think you asked me was, how do I continue to grow my audience? Um, 
I feel like it's once you hit, I feel like the, like the benchmark is like when you hit 10,000, it's easier for you to build and grow your audience. I don't know what it is. It might be an algorithm thing. It might just be like 10,000 is the number. Um, but for me, like I continue to use like hashtags. There's different ways you can use hashtags to rank high on those Explorer pages. You get a max of 30 hashtags per post. I always put it in the first comment comment um, section of the post, not the actual caption itself. Works the exact same way, but it looks less spammy. Um, and then same type of thing, like what I was saying earlier, how I've been able to grow my audience fast and quickly into the amount that it is right now is getting in front of other people's platforms and audiences, right? Same type of concept. It's like, that's one of the best ways to grow is doing interviews on Facebook or on Instagram. If we're talking about that is doing podcast shows um, on Instagram. You can also do a lot of collaborations with bigger account pages and do like giveaways um, and do shout outs. Um, and that's that's really how you're able to grow a lot faster. But once again, it's like if you're growing an audience just for the sake of it and they're not your ideal clients and like the main, 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 main goal for you is to generate money, that's probably not the right way to do it. I've come across people that have hundreds of thousands of followers and they make zero amount of money because their audience is not right. Um, so, so yeah, once again, it just, it depends on how you're looking at it. It depends on your perception and your goals. But at the end of the day, um, I believe the a hundred followers you have is better than the a thousand people that don't even really believe in you, the vision or mission that you're impacting. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you because if you have a hundred thousand followers who aren't your ideal clients and there's really nothing much you can do, there's something that I've implemented, uh, recently because my Instagram was basically filled with, you know, how it is like you connect your friends on Facebook to your Instagram, and then you have all your friends and your family on Instagram. And then obviously as your influence grows, you attract prospects and your clients to follow you. And again, depending on how active you are on Instagram, how often you show up, will your followers show up for you as well? Now, I want to ask you with respect to just social media in general, it can get really overwhelming for someone who's starting out especially with trying to be on every platform. So what are your thoughts on the fact that if someone is starting out, should they focus on one platform or should they try to be omnipresent? Yeah, when you're starting out, focus on one platform. And once again, the reason why is because the way I like to explain it is if you like visually, like if you visually in your mind, look at a circle, um, right now the circle is like 100%, right? If you cut it in half, it's 50 and 50. If you cut it again, it's 25, 25, 25, and 25, right? So let's say you're just starting out and you're focusing on posting on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. You're only putting 25% of your focus and energy on that platform. So it's going to take four times as long to grow it versus putting 100% of energy towards one specific platform. So I always say, um, once again, this is more so looking at benchmarks and metrics if you're really focusing on growing a business. If you can't make $10,000 a month with one platform, you shouldn't be posting on anything else. Um, like that's just how it is. Like Facebook, Instagram, those are the two I'm primarily on. Like you can easily make that amount of money and reach six figures in your business just with one platform. Of course, as you grow in scale, you do want to diverse and be omnipresent. Like for me now, 
Um, like I do produce content in numerous different places, but I also do have a team that helps me. It's not just me and my focus isn't going every single direction. But yeah, if someone's starting out, choose one. And you guys might be thinking, how do I choose that platform? Where does your ideal client hang, hang around? Right? Are they primarily on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Are you targeting like CEOs and people that are corporate? They're probably on LinkedIn, right? So it's like, you don't want to choose a platform that you like. You want to choose a platform that your ideal clients are on and really, really focus on that. What was the, the organization that you had in terms of how you would manage your time and your work? And was there a balance between your personal life and your professional life? Yeah, absolutely. So before I had a team, yes, I would schedule my days down to the hour and I still do that. Um, basically, basically because when you know what you're doing, you're 10 times more efficient. A lot of the times people don't even know what they're doing when they wake up in the morning and they spend half their day trying to pick a decision of what to do. Um, like their mind is everywhere. So I would schedule out my days down to the hour. You know, I'd wake up, I'd do my morning routine for two hours and I would get to work. For me, the three core areas that I focused on when it was just me, what I call are my three C's, is content, conversations, and calls. That's like the bare minimum you need to do every single day in order to scale to like six figures. And that was my goal back then. So for me, like I would spend some of my time producing content, creating content, posting the content. The other times I would be having conversation with people who would be commenting and liking and engaging on my stuff. And I would be trying to, to book and set calls, right? And then like the late, later half of the day, I would actually be doing those calls. Um, and then of course, every so often I would spend time pitching to podcast shows and getting myself featured on podcast shows and Facebook groups. So for me, like, you know, now my time is spent so much more differently, but when it was just me, I was solely focused on like making money in my business. Right. Like I feel like a lot of people, um, when they're get, just getting started, they feel like they need the website. They need like all the, the, the branding colors. Um, like they need, they need like the logos, like they need all of the things that's not needed in order to make money. But let's be real. It's like, you don't have a business if you're not making money in it. So for me, like those were like the three core areas that I focus on every single day. And um, back then, like when I first started my business, I was in college. <laughs> I graduated with two majors, so I had double amount of work. And it was challenging. I'll tell you, it was challenging. I had to make a lot of sacrifices the first year when I was really scaling my business because when I graduated, I was not about to work a job. So back then, I would say I didn't have that much balance when it came to like my personal life. I was working a lot. And then when I graduated, um, I still was working a lot <laughs> up until I, re I reached a point where I basically hit burnout. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, if not everyone goes through it, hit a hit like a point of burnout. And I was making a lot of money. I had the clients, but I was just exhausted. Right. And when I hit that point, I learned that I just missed a lot of the fun I had with my friends, with my family, even just hobbies I, I wanted to do. And I realized that I chose to build my business back then in a way where I had the belief if I wasn't working, I wasn't growing. And I feel like a lot of people have that belief. If they're not working, they're not growing. And when I learned the concept of balance and time and energy, I start to work less and make more.
like now, um, I don't know when this is going to be <laughs> going to be live or when people are going to be listening to this. But right now, I'm in Chicago for a month. I live in South Florida, and I'm just here for fun. I've been working a lot less, like maybe half days, but I've been making a lot more in my business. And people will wonder and ask, like, how are you doing that? It comes from energy and your beliefs. Like I developed a belief that you don't have to be working 24-7, seven days a week in order to build a seven-figure business. You just don't. Um, like my belief now is if you can focus in three to four hours a day max, if even that, you can successfully grow and scale a business because let's be honest, people work 16 hours a day, but only have probably two hours of focused work, work within that, within that time frame. The perception of, of money. Okay. And I want to just dive in quickly to this concept when you're starting your business, like you said, your main concern is generating revenue. If there's no revenue, there's no business it's as simple as that. So when your focus is to generate revenue, and then you start hitting that goal consistently and then you hit another goal your 10k a month becomes a 20k 30k how does your relationship with money evolve like how, how is there a sense of um like how did it change for you because i remember the last time i uh, I, I watched a video of yours i think it was a few months back and you had just hit a 60k month or a 50k month and uh you know you posted a picture i think you were somewhere in the us i don't know exactly where but you posted a picture and you said like you know i just uh hit a 50k a month and i was like i was like wow that's insane right to be at that level how do you feel when you look back at when you were just struggling to make 500 dollars a month and now you're doing way north of 50k a month like how does that really feel for you how has it changed you as a person Totally. That's a great question. Um, I feel like for me, you hit a certain point in your business where money doesn't really motivate you anymore. Um, like, I, and, I, and I feel like a lot of people go through this. I've spoken to a lot of my entrepreneurial friends about it. When I was first getting started in my business, I was extremely money driven, right? Because it's like, it's, it's kind of like that need. It's like you need money to survive. So it's like you have no choice but to make this work. So of course, for me, like when I hit my first like 10K, I was like so driven. I wanted to hit like 20K and 30K and I was just solely focused on money. And then something weird happened. Um, I started to hit those higher months and I didn't feel fulfilled, which is always which is strange. I was like, what's going on? It's like I'm having, like my business is awesome. But like for some reason, I'm just not feeling fulfilled. And what happened was I was so focused and driven on hitting our revenue goals in our business that I started to move away from the mission of why I even got started in the first place. Right. And I think that happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is like, of course, entrepreneurs on its own. It's like we always want to get to that next level. Right. But it's like we lose track of our alignment and of why we even got started in the first place. So for me, of course, like. When I hit my first 50K month, um, that was probably like six months ago now or something, um, I was so happy. I was like ecstatic. But then also after that, I was like, like, what's next? Like it, it probably only lasted for like like half a day, even that. And I was like, okay, like now what? Like, like money on its own, it's like 
like now it's like you have so much of it like what do you do with it like it's not it doesn't really drive you that much anymore right so it's like that's where you have to really start to think about like like what do you actually want to create as a vision for your life um and for me like when i really got started my business you'll come to realize it's it's actually really simple and easy to make money online like it really is um, but more than anything, like in order for you to get to that high next level in terms of revenue and in terms of vision and mission, more than anything, it's learning, continuing to learn more about money, right? It's like, once again, for me back then, my beliefs were I could work really, really, really hard to even, you know, get $10,000 a month. And now it's like I'm working half the amount of time and believing that money is extremely abundant and it'll come to me when I'm feeling super aligned with my energy. And for me, I'm the type of person is when I'm feeling like unaligned, I will not attract clients to me. Right. And there's been times in my business where there's been months where I could have brought in clients, but I did not. And I was at zero because I wasn't feeling aligned. And I told my team, I don't know what's going on, but I need time to figure out what's going on. Um, I took the time to go inward, really focus and identify and realign with my vision I, I figured I was always there. I just kind of, you know, misaligned with it. And the following month we were, we were back at it again. Right. Um, so yeah, I think for me, it's like when you hit those revenue goals, you'll get to a point in your life and your business where money doesn't drive you anymore. It's more about like the mission, the impact that you're creating for your audience. It's money at the end of the day. And when you have like a lot of it, then there's always that thing like, okay, do how does one react and respond and change as a person? Because without having that level of discipline, um, you can just go wild and be like, I made it, I'm done, you know? But um, you really like took it to a level where you're like, okay, now what's next? What's, you know, what is the kind of business empire I want to build? What is the next step? And that's what's going to take you from this milestone to the next milestone. So that in itself is is really inspiring when you, you know, when you don't look at money the same way as you would before and you identify and let that new renewed mission unravel in your life, then that's where, you know, the road to enlightenment and fulfillment really opens up. And I think that's exactly where you are right now. So um, Sabah, I think this has been an incredible uh, conversation with you. There's so much value that you shared and there's so much to learn and take from this conversation and from your experience, especially. There is one question that I ask every guest before I end the conversation and it's a very simple question. How do you define success? Yeah, that's a great question. How I would define success is going down the path that you know you were meant to be on. Um, And I feel like at its core, people know what that path is. But since, once again, there is so many limiting beliefs, so much fear, so much doubt, so much external environment in people swaying us to go down the path of average or the path they think you should go on, many people don't. So I think for me, like success 
ultimately truly means like going down the path you were meant to be on. And the great part about it is there are numerous paths you are going to be going down um, in your life. Like what I was doing six months ago isn't what I'm focused on now. What I was doing five years ago isn't what I'm what I'm doing now, right? But always jumping into that fear will guide you down the path that you were always, always, always meant to be on. Um, and once again, like the quote that I have on the back of my book that I live by every single day um, is know that you have the ability to do anything in your life. No one is going to stop you besides yourself. Like you are the only person that will stop you to to getting to success. No, absolutely. I think um, I think the fact that we are all responsible for our own actions and everything that happens to us. Once we start taking responsibility, then you know we start to create the life that we want. And Saba, you have been a delight to have on this podcast episode of Strictly Motivation. I'm truly grateful for you to have spent this time and just been so transparent and honest about everything. I think that's what makes you so unforgettable. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that. And once again, thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a blast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Strictly Motivation. I hope you learned something valuable from this conversation. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media and tag us using the handle at the rate Strictly Motivation Official. To access all the links and resources related to this episode, head to strictlymotivation.com. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. And remember to never stop believing in yourself. <music>